not convenient, perhaps your virtual statement, because we're oftentimes sold the faith, like a product, a relationship with God as a solution, like an infomercial, or some kind of quick fix. But we see that God is not convenient, especially when we have our own plans, our own ideas, our own plan for how things are going to work out. To share a little bit of my own experience, to maybe also de-elevate priests a little bit. We are human. We're not perfect. The priesthood is mystical, but priests are not. My eyes might be mystical, I don't know. But we are human. And a very human reality I have encountered many times and I have um, grown in and surrendering is sometimes I get a sick call at a very inopportune time. Perhaps the most difficult is when I'm about to go to bed and somebody calls and they say, someone is dying and they need the sacraments. Somebody is dying and they need last rites, anointing, confession, and the Eucharist. In that moment, my heart can be stony. I can move into the attitude of, this isn't what I want. I'm tired. It's been a long day. Why can't someone else do it? Lord, why are you asking me to do this now? But it's incredible. Every time, the Lord is able to melt away my stony heart and make it a heart of flesh. To recognize in that moment, he is calling me not for convenience sake, Not for my plan, but for his. That someone is dying, they need the sacraments, and I am being called to do so. That I have to put my own plans, my own desires, my own wants to death, and fully surrender to who I am called to be as a disciple of Christ. To put full faith and trust that even though there may be sacrifice, even though I may be tired, that the Lord is calling me to something greater. That he's going to make something greater out of this. And to trust in God's plan, even if it's inconvenient. To be assured even of the fact that it is inconvenient, that it is God's plan. We see this in the history of salvation. We see it with how the prophets operate. The prophets were big inconveniences to society. Oftentimes, God would raise a prophet to basically say, guys, we're doing it wrong. They'd be the ones to shake it up and say, no, you need to refocus on the Lord, how God is calling you, calling us as a people. We have the ultimate shaker in our Lord Jesus Christ. As he came to save us from our sins, to restore us and elevate us as his beloved sons and daughters of God. But he didn't do so because it was convenient. Now in a sense, I want to put an asterisk on that. It is incredibly convenient considering what we were like before. What our prospects are without Jesus Christ is eternal darkness. So (laughs) salvation is convenient in that sense. When it comes to choosing between my plans and my expectations and then living a life in discipleship of Christ, God is inconvenient. We see this in a sense in the first reading today. We have Isaiah um, conversing with Ahaz, who was sort of a corrupt king, a corrupt politician of sorts. But he was in the Davidic line um, as ruler, and he wasn't a great king. (laughs) He was kind of subpar. He was a bit of a wiener. Um, this Ahaz. And uh, um, God actually speaks to him directly and says, ask for a sign from me. From the depths of the netherworld to the heights of the sky, I will make this sign great. (laughs) 
Now he chooses to be religious and pious, and he says, no, 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 Lord, I would not tempt God. You can see that, that we see that a lot of that um, used in today's politics, where there's a lot of use of religion and, and, and um, speaking of faith when it comes to uh, trying to, you know, wipe your hands clean. But here, even Isaiah, he's not buying it. He says, no, there will be, he makes this prediction of the Savior to come, Emmanuel, that the Lord will provide a sign. And again, ultimately, that great inconvenience for those who had their own plans. We see this in uh, the Gospels, throughout the Gospels, how Jesus causes inconvenience to the Pharisees, the scribes, different individuals, to the Roman Empire, following with the early Christians and onward. But oftentimes we can move into that attitude of Ahaz and say, thanks but no thanks. I wouldn't dare God. You know what, Lord? That's great. I like your plan for you. But for me, it's a no-go. I think it's very beneficial then, especially as we have this last week to prepare for for Christmas, (laughs) to look to St. Joseph's witness and his example. We have Joseph who's in the same line of David, a descendant of David, in the house of David, out in the podunk middle of nowhere in Nazareth. Nazareth was kind of seen as like out in the boonies. It's wondering if you think, why would this royal lineage of God's chosen people be out in the middle of nowhere? It's an interesting um, mentality that they would have had and that they want to avoid controversy and bloodshed. The time Herod was ruling over the Israelites, He had the most temporal power. Um, And because of that, uh, there wasn't much done to kind of shake things up because Herod was a bloodthirsty guy. I mean, he found out that the Messiah was born and his response to that is to kill the firstborn of all those in Bethlehem. It's an intense thing. So we have the line of David out in Nazareth, kind of hiding out, trying to be unassuming, saying, hey, we're over here. We just want to live our lives. We can imagine Joseph having that same mentality probably has these great hopes and dreams. We don't hear a lot from Joseph, but we can tell a lot from his actions what kind of man he was. He doesn't speak a single word, but he speaks uh, thousands of words by how he acts. He was a carpenter. He had his own business. Um, He probably had a good family. He was a righteous man. He was a lucky guy. He's going to marry probably the prettiest girl in town, Mary. And he had these, these plans for himself to grow out his business, to maybe have some kids, to pass on his lineage, to have a quiet life in the middle of nowhere in Nazareth. But then Mary comes and says, Hey, Joseph, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You can imagine Joseph being like, What? (laughs) I mean, he was a man. He was a human being. We hear of Mary's fiat when she says yes to the angel Gabriel at the Annunciation. And this is kind of Joseph's fiat, his process of saying yes. And at first he's thinking, maybe... Maybe there's just something going on here, a misunderstanding. This is crazy. So as a righteous man, I need to separate myself from Mary, but I also want to protect her and make sure she's taken care of. I don't want her to become hurt of what has happened. So he plans to divorce her quietly, and then, you know, miraculously is able to sleep after that decision. (laughs) Doesn't sleep for long, though, because he's visited by an angel. And it's interesting, you have this image of the angel here on the projectors, and it's a very striking image. It's kind of, it would be horrifying to see that wake you up in the middle of the night. And usually angels say, you know, do not be afraid for a good reason. But I can imagine uh, Joseph responding, I'm not afraid, I'm annoyed. (laughs) This doesn't fit into my plan. But this angel explains to him what the plan is. 
that Mary would bear bears the Messiah, the Savior they had been waiting for, and that he would be the one to protect him, to protect his family, to lay down his life for the sake of looking after his family and giving up those hopes and those dreams for the sake of that greater calling, that call to adventure, that call to faith. And what an adventure it would be. The treacherous journey with a pregnant wife, pregnant with the Messiah. <laughs> Can you imagine how stressful that would be to have a pregnant wife in general to travel at that time, but pregnant with the Savior of the world? It's a lot of pressure to this journey to Bethlehem. And afterwards, this reverse exodus back into Egypt to avoid the bloodthirsty Herod. That he had to completely sacrifice his plans, his expectations, his dreams for the sake of this greater call to adventure in faith. This is what we're called to as well in faith. To allow the inconvenience of God to enter into our lives. To allow the Lord to surprise us. To allow ourselves to be called into that adventure, that unknown. Yes, there may be some fear. There may be some anxiety. But that's what it means to move into faith. That complete abandonment and surrender. But it can be tough. Sometimes we're like, Subway sandwich Catholics. I like to use food as analogies. <laughs> I used to be a sandwich artist, so I know it well. And people get really, really particular, and it's like, you know, you wonder who would be a dictator if they could be when you see them making a sandwich, because they get super particular. Scrape the bread out a little bit. I want you to tessellate the cheese. I want you to add the meat this certain way. Don't toast it too much. I don't care if I get sick with the tuna being toasted. Don't get the tuna from Subway, trust me. But then we can have this mentality of, my faith is a Subway sandwich, and it needs to be this, this particular thing. It needs to be perfect. And the Lord might be like, mm, maybe not so many olives. Or maybe not a sandwich. Maybe you're getting a flatbread. <laughs> it's a ridiculous analogy. But <laughs> sometimes we have to sacrifice our own preference for that greater good. That we are called into that trust in the Lord. It's not always big, but it usually is inconvenient in our lives. So I want us to reflect on this, especially this, this upcoming week. And recognize, too, that um, in, in, uh, in the gospel, the angel says that this will be the Savior to save us from our sins. It doesn't say from the effects of sin. That's, 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 that's great, and that's part of it. But it's not saying, like, oh, I'm going to save you from the effects of sin, and then that's it. But also from sin itself as a way of living, as a lifestyle, that we are called into holiness, that we are given the grace and the gifts from our Lord to live a life of virtue, a life of holiness. And it can be difficult at times, but that's why we need to constantly renew that sense of adventure, renew that sense of abandonment and offering our day and our lives to the Lord. So for this week, from Monday all the way up to Christmas morning, I challenge you to offer your day to the Lord. In the morning, Make a morning offering, and it doesn't need to be very complicated. It can just be, Lord, I offer today to you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I entrust it all to you. Whatever you may call me to do, however you may call me to be as your beloved disciple, and I entrust it to you. And then to be attentive throughout the day how the Lord may be calling you to act. It may be inconvenient, it may be challenging, but it is that great adventure of faith we are called to. And it's motivated by that great gift we have in faith of knowing of God's love and desiring to seek out and live in that love. And hopefully the idea would be that by the time we get to Christmas, 
We are, wel- we are ready to welcome the Lord truly into our hearts and into our lives without any conditions, without any um, blocks, without any expectations, but to fully recognize that gift, that total gift of our Lord and to welcome him in as we celebrate this beautiful and most tremendous joy of Christmas. Amen.